Welcome to our first full discussion of the Foundation TV series. We're talking about episode one. And today I'm hanging out with Mike Rappin. What's up? Howdy. And uh, Alex was a tentative, but not able to join this time. He literally became a father a week ago. So oh, <laughs> I, I, I can't blame him. Yeah, yeah. My first thoughts were, oh man, what is this going to do to our podcast schedule? But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so congrats to Alex. And uh, yeah, I've been really looking forward to this. We did a book club a few years ago. Uh, You, me, and Nick. Was there anyone else? Mm -hmm. I don't remember. I don't don't think so. I think it was just the three of us. Yeah. And so we read the Foundation Trilogy, or we started with the first book, but I got hooked. Um. And I, so just kind of like before we get into the TV show, just kind of want to get your like rough recollection of the books. I I would say my kind of impression is that it's, um, it felt very 50s or 60s kind of dated in some of the societal stuff, you know, like the roles sure. of gender and in, in everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, but overall, it's kind of like this classic like, pulp, sci-fi, pretty fast-paced, and just kind of like takes a very clear science-y idea and runs with it, plays it out to see, you know, what could that be like, which, um, you know, some people might say is kind of simple, but it's it's really interesting. I think it's pretty effective. And so, yeah, I devoured these books, just kind of going off of that idea of, you know, what if we had like sufficiently powerful math or measuring devices and we ha- if we had enough information, you know, maybe we could predict uh, a lot of stuff that happens. And so that was kind of my overall impression. There were some parts that were a little, I don't know, campy or dated, but the sciencey stuff was pretty interesting. What about you? Yeah, I my recollection of this series is a lot around the bigger concepts of the story. Like, I really don't remember there being like a, a real through line narrative beyond. I know there's like. Harry Seldon character and I know that there's you know I don't want to say flashbacks and flash forwards but the story and again the three books that we read I think all merged together in my brain so apologies in advance for that but mm-hmm. like I just remember there being this big idea and the idea of like the world ever turning and like the universe ever turning at such a grand scale that no one person could really put their thumb on it to the point where Seldon you know even even says like I may not know the answer to this, but based on the math or based on based on the science uh, or the psychohistory and you mm-hmm. know facts or whatever I don't because they called it something different than math in the series if I remember correctly psychohistory um, yeah yeah well they called it psychohistory but they the 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 rhetoric that they used for it was different than just saying it's pure math like they said in the TV show um, mm. either way I just remember a lot of big concepts and like one person trying to understand the like end goal of what the potential future could be. I don't remember the details. I just remember it being <laughs> so big that I could have never, I would have never thought you could make a TV show about this. Like it is a book because it's a, it's a story told at like multiple scales in a way that doesn't follow a, a linear, like serialized fashion. So I'm very surprised overall. And maybe that means mm-hmm. I need to go back and reread the books, but I just remember thinking like wow what a what a good example of a book <laughs> not a, not anything else you know <laughs> yeah I, I i totally agree it's something that i read that i actually thought how cool would this be if it were a tv show but i was like 
I don't know how it would work because they do mm-hmm. leap ahead hundreds of years through time. Um, because the you know, without spoiling anything, the premise is that you know this guy more or less predicts the fall of a big empire, the empire of the galaxy, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, there's. It's. I kind of go back to kind of like the analogy of like the fall of Rome and how like then maybe you have a period of dark ages and so he he more or less I think he uses the term dark ages um, or a period of barbarism. And barbarism. His, yeah. I always love that in the book. Oh my god! <laughs> exactly. So it's like, which is also kind of funny to think about like spacefaring civilization yet still barbaric and. Um, uh, but maybe barbaric for different reasons, and uh, I'm about to get off on a tangent for you know something else that I just read. But anyway, I had thought that it was a, a really cool idea that I'd love to see on the screen, either through movies mm-hmm. or a TV show. I was actually kind of thinking it could probably be more of a movie kind of thing where they package one uh, time span in one movie, and then maybe the sequel comes out and it's like 500 years in the future. Um, sure. But yeah, the books I remember were all each each book had kind of like a main um uh antagonist, like you've got a bad guy, something's happening. Um they got to fight back against the bad guy and save the foundation, and that's kind of like the episodic nature, but the the through line is the plan. You know, Harry Seldon's right. plan of psychohistory. Right. And I uh, I kind of want to discuss both the show and the book. I'm trying to be conscious of not doing spoilers per se, but at this point, I wonder. I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I don't think it'd be too much of a spoiler because I think the TV show is doing it differently. But in the book, it was uh, like they had this big kind of like I don't know if it was a temple or like a library or some kind of nice like building, and um, Every what was it, hundred years or something? Like every generation, uh, this thing would come out of the ground, and it would be like a holographic projection of Harry Seldon, and he would kind of mm-hmm. give his prediction for the next hundred years. <laughs> it's kind of like right. kind of like a Christmas speech, <laughs> but for the generation, yeah. and um, and the society would all gather around and kind of like glean whatever information they could to prepare for the next hundred years, because they were kind of like these stewards of of knowledge. And um, so far in in the TV series, you've got that kind of weird floaty thing and like this, this force field that pushes people away. I don't remember mm-hmm. if that's what they had in the book. It's definitely cooler. Um, but I'm just kind of surprised that it seems to be a mystery, like this mythical thing no one understands. When in the book, I had the impression that like everyone was in on it, you know, they were aware of it. So, well, sort of, because, you know, as the series goes on, I think that the the thing that I found really interesting in reading it is that uh, Asimov focuses on how science eventually becomes religion as people forget from where where they came from, Mm. right? And so, like, all of these scientific facts and all these things that people know eventually becomes religion to the point where science is thrown out the window in place of this religion, even though it is science in itself, and some of the more, like, I guess like harder sciences in in the time of the future where this science has become religion um, start to get outcast in the same way that Harry Seldon was outcast and it all kind of loops back on itself. I feel like Asimov was playing around with this idea of these endless cycles of societal behaviors and 
the show for you know trying to give it credit because i went in with like a really low bar of just like this is gonna suck how do you tell this story like i feel like there that last moment in the trial in the episode and i I don't know how we want to structure this in terms of discussion but like the last moment in the trial where selden is talking about essentially what his plan is the big reveal of like why he's so worried because i feel like it's it's kind of a mystery all throughout and going in having read the books i'm like well duh he's going to eventually reveal this thing why is that not at the forefront Mm -hmm. um but his you know his revelation of like oh there's going to be this dark age like we're just seeing the beginning of this cycle and i i think maybe my my harsh judgment of the tv show is a little bit too uh, too early because I feel like shows like this you kind of have to judge on the season, not on the episode. And maybe this show is going to fast forward. Maybe this show is going to show a bunch of different things happening all at once. Is it a limited series? Is it ongoing? Who knows? I mean, we've got some pretty big names in this show, specifically with like Lee Pace and uh, yeah. what's uh, the guy who's who plays Harry Seldon. I mean, like I don't know. I, I feel like what I'm what I'm trying to say is that it's it's interesting the way that the story has changed things in order to try to suit a televised narrative. But it by the end of the first episode, I didn't feel like it lost the thread as much as I thought it would to try to deliver this norm. Um, I think we're, we're playing with a TV show where it's going to be like Selden is this guy who's always two steps ahead and it's going to be a rarity when he, if anybody can ever surprise him and so on and so forth. But yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I, I had a different point that I was trying to get to, but now I've, I've made this point. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, well, you're talking about like how science... Um, when you kind of get away from the original source of that knowledge, it becomes a religion almost. And oh, um, right, 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 yeah. right. With with Selden like showing up every hundred years, it almost becomes a point of worship for these people. And you know, there's that cool thing that's driving the 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 woman who, in a way whose name I know is important to the story. I just can't remember it right now. Um, she comes up to that at the end, and I think that is our first interaction with that because it's thirty years in the future. Oh right? yeah, Salvar Hardin. Salver Harden, yeah, I think that that character is pivotal to the series. Like, I think they're supposed to be the the reference from which the reader um, sees things. And it's funny to see that we got more of Harry Selden and the other woman um, in this episode. So who knows how the perspective is going to change? But I think this might be her coming across that first interaction with the plan. That's my guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Se- Salver Harden um, is the the first like uh, mayor of Terminus. And um, so, I mean, it's a little bit of a spoiler, I guess. Although I'm curious to see what, I mean, they already called her, what, Warden or something? Um, yeah. Which kind of makes sense. But the book uh, basically puts her as, uh, as a mayor. Um, and yeah, there's so many things to discuss. So, f- so first of all, just like talking about Halvar Sarden, um, it's interesting how they switched out some gender roles here. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, again, Kind of like going back to how it was dated in a way. Um, all of these like leadership roles and like main characters, except for maybe like one in the third book, are all men. I'm pretty sure Salvar Hardin was a man in the book. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, like that stuff isn't really critical to the plot. So I thought it was really like nice how they in the TV show swapped that out and said, okay, we'll we'll have a woman play this character, mm-hmm. um, and. Another note I was going to make about religion. I don't know if you remember. So I was trying to dig up the first book in the trilogy. I was only able to find mm-hmm. the second. So I read the prologue to the second book, which kind of gives you a recap of the first book. And it didn't answer this question, but um, I was reading the prelude to Foundation, which is his prequel that came out after all of these books. 
Um, and in that book, something that was interesting was religion is almost something unheard of or almost forgotten. Um, there's a right. scene in the prelude where he's um, visiting this society. He's trying to hide from the empire. Um, and he thinks that these people are religious. They might actually, you know, support some sort of religion. And he, in like talking to this person, he tries to carefully broach the subject. And, and, the, and the other person is like, are you asking if, if we believe in a deity or something? And, and they're mm-hmm. like super offended. And, and he's like, well, I don't, it seemed like it. And so it's just kind of like, he's painting the picture, at least in the prelude to foundation that like, there's so far into this future where like religion doesn't exist or if it does exist, it's super obscure and archaic. And I thought it was really interesting in the TV show, right off the bat, the main character, uh, Gaul or Gale, as they say it in the show Mm -hmm. is, uh, leaving, um, the planet, um, I forgot what it was called, uh, leaving her planet because it's a very religious planet and they suppress science and stuff. And, um, they have, and they have like things like prayers, like when, when those, uh, suicide bombers blow up the space elevator, mm-hmm. they're praying, uh, or the, it seems like they're like kind of singing some sort of prayer song. So there's a lot of like religious elements already in the first episode when something I, I, got the impression from the book was like in the imperial times, there was no religion and religion kind of started to come up later. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a really interesting approach to this because I feel like there is almost a deification of the emperor or the emperors, I guess, which I think is a really fun twist on this idea of how a a quote unquote monarchy would work in the future where like every generation, a new emperor is cloned so that they can continue to rule. Um, and it's always oh. the same person learning from themselves in a way. I was going to ask um, you, was was that in the book? I don't remember clones. I, no. So I'm, I'm reading through the Wikipedia now, and this is probably proof that I should just dive back into these books because I'm just reading the they're summaries They're really quick things. to read. I need to. Yeah, yeah they're, they're really quick reads. And uh, I forgot that the book's broken up into multiple parts. Like, as time goes on, you focus on different things like the psycho-historians, the encyclopedists, the, the mayors, right. the traitors. Um, and those show, those are like, as things evolve over time, like these different factions kind of rise and fall. Um, and yeah, but I don't remember that being like a clone emperor, I guess. I know that there was an emperor, but I don't think it was, Mm -hmm. they were really focused on in the book other than being there and that their, their empire would fall. That is pretty much it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm intrigued one guess is they're doing the whole cloning thing so they can keep Lee Pace <laughs> throughout the whole, <laughs> the whole series. That's, that is you know? a very good point. If you yeah. go like 400 years into season two or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. they'll still want to have like Lee Pace be the, the main guy. Um, also, <laughs> yes, very, yeah. also the fact that like the emperor is very much, or I don't know, the impression I get is they're setting him up to be the bad guy in quotes. But in the book, it wasn't so much that the emperor was bad. It was just mm-hmm. the state of the galaxy had reached this um, this point of, uh, I don't know what the word is, a lack of creativity. And mm-hmm. even, in the pre- er, even in the prequel here um, to the second book, it, 
Let's see here. It says, it had been falling for centuries before one man became really aware of that fall. That man was Harry Seldon, the man who represented the one spark of creative effort left among the gathering decay. And mm-hmm. also, mm-hmm. in the prequel book, um, he talks about when he's trying to convince other people that his theory of psychohistory is realistic, he's saying, like, look around, we have. Um, uh, this this gravitational lift that we use for elevators, but we don't use them for spaceships. And our scientists say, oh, it would be too hard, and no one's trying anymore. And so his mm-hmm. main thing is like, no one is trying hard, no one is being innovative, no one is being creative anymore. We're just kind of like, you know, moving on day by day or whatever. Um, and so that is kind of really, that is the existential crisis of, there's no innovation. Nothing is moving forward. We're just kind of getting fat on our, you know, daily life, and yeah. uh, and that's what it's he like a wants stagnation. to say. Yeah, yeah exactly, a stagnation. Um, and I don't know. Maybe they'll they'll bring this up in the in the show. But I got the impression that they're being a little more literal of like, oh, maybe the emperor is the bad guy, or maybe the people who yeah. blew up that thing are bad guys. Well, there's there's like a the, the implication that I got was like that there is this there is this overwhelming pressure by the emperor to kind of keep everything in line. Like the whole thing is about the emperor's peace, right? Mm. Um, which right away, bad sign, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if things are modeled after Rome and it, even when you look into the story, like it, that's, that's kind of uh, Asimov's implication is that there's like a Roman style, like emperor um, who was managing all these various States and there was a quote unquote democracy, but not really. Um, and you know, the, the Lee Pace's character, which, by the way, he's fantastic in this I show. Can we Lee just, Pace. like, say that? Oh, man. Um, he's, he's absolutely wonderful in this, like, domineering position. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't watched Halt and Catch Fire, you should watch that because, yes. holy smokes. His um, voice yeah, is but, just magical. <laughs> exactly. And in, and in this story, we see him kind of say, you know, there's that moment that he's having dinner with his you know, the dusk in the, in the dawn or something like that. I love mm-hmm. the, the naming conventions. Like, holy yeah. shit, what a fun little thing. Uh, <laughs> like, there's some really cool original sci-fi stuff in here that I was like, this is really smart. Um, but he's having dinner and he's like, or breakfast, and he's like, Dress nice. Have someone brush your hair. It's not the most important thing we'll do this week, but it's the most important thing they'll do in their lifetime. What a what an implication of power and and self superiority and self awareness. You know, this empire, yeah, and, and just <laughs> understanding like the pressure that they hold and like the idea that they're trying to convey to this little kid um, clone is like to treat these people with the understanding of the the pressure and the the, the situational awareness. Um, that comes with it like you cannot be flippant with this this kind of stuff despite how trivial it may seem Uh, i thought that was really interesting and like you said they're painting him to kind of be the bad guy and the cause for this fall but also there is this implication that there is unrest among the people and what that is entails and why that's happening is either a combination of people become restless or Selden's prediction of this future of barbarism becoming a thing that just is part of the the rise and fall of all empires. Um, right? Like, it's, could it's, it be self fulfilling? The answer to that is yet to be found. Yeah, I I think you know now that you describe it that way, I'm kind of coming back around to you know maybe he is just trying to balance this delicate house of cards. He's not necessarily inherently evil, but he. Right. 
he has a hard, uh, he probably sees it as I've got this really hard job of maintaining this balance of peace and mm-hmm. anything that could topple it over or threaten it is my enemy and I need to like put an end to it before it grows. So it's mm-hmm. not, it's, maybe he's not necessarily like uh, worried about Selden, uh, but he's worried about, you know, what people might think. And I think that that's a quote in the show too is like, there, it's mm-hmm. not about whether I'm I'm true or whatever. It's he's afraid that people will believe me, and uh, right. yeah. So right. if people believe him, then that kind of that shakes the whole uh, foundation, ta-da, of uh, <laughs> the empire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of ways to I think interpret some of the stuff that is like said and implied in this first episode, um, because. For one, I, like I don't feel like it differs too much from the book in terms of like we're going to get to the end of this plot, right? I don't think that anything that's happened so far is so off base that like oh this is a completely different story. But I, I think the the writer, the creators, and the the people who are working on the show um, have decided to find a way to be more upfront about these things because I think that the implication in in Asimov's story is not about any one thing being the cause or any one reason mm-hmm. um it's just that there is a there is a an ebb and flow to all things and Selden saw that the rise of this wave was so high that the the fall was going to be catastrophic for the world or for the for the galaxy unless you know they did something to try to soften the the blow like I think Selden says that in the story like He's not trying to stop it. He's literally just trying to soften the, the blow. Yep. Um, and I, I, I love that implication that like there's nothing we can do about this. No matter how hard you try, the end is coming, but we can try to make things better for ourselves in the future. And the thing I loved about the book a lot is that Selden's point was – I can le- lessen the time of bad. I can, or I can lessen the the barbaric the barbaric time. Yeah. Um. In in which everything is going to be awful. If we do this now, we can cut things down from ten thousand years to eight thousand years. And while that doesn't seem huge, it is significant in terms of getting society back to the peak at which we live at right now. Um. I I I love the the scale in which the book speaks about all the things that Selden is trying to do, and the lack of of ability for anybody even the reader i think to understand the 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 humongous thing that that is um like 2000 years doesn't sound like a lot on paper but it is that is a significant amount of time numerous yeah. generations of lives um and so i i don't know i i hope that they bring things back to scale to that scale um uh, in the coming episodes that's that's my big thing yeah i'd be really curious to see how they they handle those big time leaps because that's also kind of the yeah really fascinating aspect of the books is just wrapping your head around that enormity and the kind of butterfly effect of you know this little thing you know a thousand years later can become something you know huge or like saving the knowledge collecting everything in this encyclopedia could mm-hmm. could be huge in the in the distant future yeah yeah, yeah. I uh, I feel like we did a lot of kind of comparison or like maybe confusion of how they you know may or may not have followed the book if we just look at the tv show by itself um mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about you know some of the actors any anything kind of stand out to you there um i was kind of surprised at the cast i think the the Raish character mm-hmm. was interesting because i didn't i couldn't really put a, a 
a bead on what his motivations were. I know he's kind of like the assistant to Selden and he believes in Selden's cause, but he was a character that was kind of all over the place. Like he suddenly had a gun and he suddenly was like, he was not flirting with the Gale, with Gale, but like mm-hmm. he wasn't like putting on, putting her off. But he, you know, at the end he's like, Hey, do you want me to stay here? Like, and I took that as more like a bodyguard situation. I'm really curious about him. Um, and like the 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 vision that we get of the empire like i i tried not to compare it all to star wars but i couldn't help it you know it yeah. reminds me of coruscant that big city planet and that's that's what the the the, the planet that we start the story on is you know that that big city planet that's just 60 to 100 layers deep some people never see the sky like yeah that's the kind of sci-fi shit that i love i mean and i loved it in star wars but i love seeing it in another story where they're really trying to define a unique look at like a modern future forward looking um like take on how society could evolve to its most extreme um i i really really enjoyed that yeah, and and I hope we can. Although you know, it, the the fall has already started in the first episode. I hope that we stay a little bit on Trantor, or we do some back and forth with Terminus and Trantor, so we can see some more of Trantor. Because there's a lot of just well, we got to see more Lee Pace, obviously. Got to see more Lee Pace, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and and just some of the the cultural stuff. Um, I uh, I just said I didn't want to talk about the books, but now I'm comparing back to the books. Um, sure. They, well, they do mention it in the TV show, actually, uh, how the sky is artificial. It's supposed to be a perfect replica. Not that we know under the outer shell. Half of level 64 is just servers running skies. How even the sky has been replaced with technology so that they can control when they have you know a rainy day or a sunny day, or maybe it's sunny mm-hmm. every day. Um, and I just thought that was so crazy yet not out of the question <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for yeah. a distant future and, yeah. um, and some of the way that they have their transport, um, and even the food, um, you know, the emperor gets real food, but I think a lot of other people on the planet outside of that wealthy region get some sort of weird synthesized, uh, you know, soylent kind of stuff. So it'd be interesting mm-hmm. if they, if they do that in the show. Uh, but it's, the way it's shot, like all the, just, it's so beautiful. I don't know if it's my, uh, my TV, although oh. you said you watched it on, <laughs> on the iPad, but just, I felt like, man, they're like really amplifying this HDR feeling and everything is yeah, really kind of yeah. crisp. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. The problem with this show is that it's just like the fucking Dune movie that's coming out. It's so drab. Like, <laughs> it, are you meaning to tell me that in the future, everything is just like, like, downplayed colors like there's no no bright colors in anything like i was really shocked by the lack of vibrancy in this story um and i get like the future is grim dark and blah blah mm-hmm. blah but like are you kidding me man like even 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 when the 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 emperor gets to like peacock like the brightest colors that we saw in the entire show was that portrait that 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 the man was cleaning and he eventually died which like yeah can we talk about the gun that made that dude explode for oh my second? god <laughs> um but no like I, I i was really disappointed in how beautiful this show looked like at super high hd whatever um but just how drab it looked like everything was so drab um, mm. like there's just no color. And I was really like, you could have, could, could it be visual you metaphor? Done anything. <laughs> um, 
Well, like even even on Gale's home planet, you know, a place that was supposed to be drastically different mm-hmm. than the city world of Trantor. Like it still was drab. Everything was dark. There was just this this like this cover this color wash over everything that was just dark. And I don't know. Well, I wasn't I, it bothered me. That's uh, all. I, I I would I would argue that last point. I felt like the the costumes for that homeworld, um, Synax, I think, um, mm-hmm. was, was pretty interesting. It was like green, uh, looked like it was made out of plants, maybe. Um, sure. And I got sure. the vibe that it was kind of like a water world or something. Um, well, it was a world where the oceans had risen to the point where I think they were just living on, on oh, ships and yeah. stuff. So, um, so yeah, it was, I thought that was, uh, that was probably the, some of the most colorful, although it was. It was drab in other ways. Like there didn't seem to be much going on. It was very kind of quiet. Uh, they had like these, yeah. you know, wooden or brown kind of huts. Uh, nothing really shiny. Um, so yeah, it was it was drab in that sense. But it was a nice splash of color in the robes. Um, I wonder if there's some sort of like a- analogy or metaphor with the drabness that you see in the empire today and how, like you said, that painting was the most colorful thing, and that painting is what representing the past, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Something something along those lines. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and, like, don't get me wrong, like, I, that's not going to stop me from watching future episodes by any means, but it just mm-hmm. was something that I'm like, every sci-fi show, every sci-fi TV show or movie, like, they all kind of skew this direction and dune is the first one that came to mind i mean like but i'm also thinking about like the expanse and um i don't know it just it feels like things could be a little bit brighter but who knows maybe maybe that's intentional yeah maybe we'll see some changes as as the story goes on like this new dawn of whatever civilization might be far far in the future maybe at the end of the series is like now we're going to see things in true height you know true color and all this other stuff as worlds are blooming with new life yeah, so and I knows. wonder, like, if we'll see those planets. So those people from An- Anacreon, and I forgot the other planet. Um, I wonder if you know we'll have an episode where we go to those planets, and maybe mm. they are more colorful yeah. and more vibrant because they're not kind of in the center and in, in terminus. And um, and yeah, it definitely tends to vary from franchise to franchise. I think you know. Star Wars, like episode one and two, when you're like on Naboo, things are really colorful. Um, or Star Trek, the at least the reboot movies um, are are pretty colorful, uh, but it it totally varies. And kind of going back to Asimov, I don't know if this is deliberate, but you know, the TV shows and movies of sci-fi coming out around that time. You had these, you know, people in kind of generic gray spacesuits and robots that were just silver, and everything was definitely mm-hmm. monochromatic. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're trying to just play in that space. But we'll sure. we'll have to see. Could be. I, I have to admit, I couldn't wait, and I finally watched the second episode. So I won't say anything okay. about it. But man, I'm already excited to talk about that one too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I'll have to get on that one tonight after after we record here. Yeah. All right, sounds good. I think that pretty much wraps it up. You know, we don't want to get into talking about the whole book, um, but really, yeah, really cool first impressions, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I'm. I'm really, I'm really impressed with the cast so far. Like for a story that I did not think could work on television, every person that I've seen so far has made me want to come back and watch it. So, like the woman they cast as Gail is 
stupendous. And uh, I I wish that I had a cast list in front of me because I feel bad for not knowing her name, but she is incredible. She's very impressive in that first episode, so I'm really excited to see where things go. I'll just say that. Definitely. Yeah, totally agree. Lee Pace is amazing. And I, I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, wherever it might depart from the books and, and kind of like make me a little irritated, I, I, you know, I need to also give it its space to like television is its own work of right. art and they need their own room to be creative. So they're going to make some changes. And I think that's okay as long as it holds together, you know, at the series level or season level and, you know, paints a good picture. But yeah, so far these people are, are pretty compelling. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, we'll end it here, and hopefully I can get this out quickly. Um, I want to try and aim to get it out like Thursday night or like on Friday, so then you know maybe someone can recap with us uh, before they watch the, the <laughs> new one that comes out. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. Sounds good. All right. 